The first apartment I ever owned versus rented was on Jane Street in the far west village in Manhattan. It was this really cute one bedroom on the ground floor, almost at the Hudson River, in a decent sized co-op with a part-time doorman. Very New York. Across the hall from me, in a much bigger modern duplex, was Susan and Mark, a really friendly couple on their second or third marriage, I can't remember, but I was over there all the time, drinking wine with Susan, who was a psychotherapist and was a hoot. Above me, though, was, well, get this, Michael Stipe. Yes, Michael Stipe of REM, who had two or three apartments put together. In the building at co-op meetings, they called him the musician. I only met Michael Stipe once during a rainstorm, standing outside the building having a smoke. Other than having a dog, smoking back then was probably the best way to meet a stranger. Now I love REM. My friends Adam and Peter are mega fans, but I'm no musician. I have absolutely no musical talent. Sure, I played piano as a kid, I tried guitar for like a week, but I didn't really have the hang of it, the discipline, or the talent. Even more so, I cannot sing, and if I try to, it's painful. But I like music. I do. And whether it's an R.E.M. hit, a Billy Joel ballad, a Broadway tune, or the theme music to ABC World News Tonight with my crush David Muir, I can absolutely get lost in the melody and the lyrics. Do you remember the TV show, Allie McBeal? Her psychotherapist, played by Tracy Ullman, told her to pick a theme song. Allie, played by Calista Flackhart, picks the song, Tell Him. Though most of the time, the song that actually haunts her on the show was I Can't Stop the Feeling, during which the dancing baby would show up. That year, the culture was all about theme songs. Mine? It was the opening song to, well, Allie McBeal, called Searching My Soul by Vonda Shepard. If you didn't have a theme song, I bet you're thinking now what yours might be. Geography, though, really does me in in music. I have a playlist I compiled about place. Streets of Philadelphia by Bruce Springsteen, Hotel California by The Eagles, California by Phantom Planet, Free Man in Paris by Joni Mitchell, Empire State of Mind by Jay-Z, you know that one, In Concrete Jungles Where Dreams Are Made Of, There's Nothing That You Can't Do. It feels to me so iconic and legendary to have a big song like that. So during the early stages of the pandemic, I thought, well, what if I created a song about something that moves me? Something that matters. Something that others might get a kick out of. Something that might stick. Is there even a song about the Hudson Valley? Has anyone written about this feeling of being new? I pause, thinking, not that I'm crazy. I've done things far crazier than this. I have time, and I have energy. What I thought was, I actually have no idea how to create and market a song. I'm going to need help. I got help, and we created a song. No, not a jingle a song, an anthem. We bottled the spirit of Sidiot, and just like that, we made a song.
I packed up my 900 square foot apartment Got me an acre with some goats near an orchard Thought to myself where's the nearest charging station So I bought solar panels for a barn renovation It's crazy I just moved 100 miles north from the city that raised me For fresh air, more space and less complication I'd do it all again without any hesitation Now here's my situation I just ate a gummy, drank some wine and there's the public transportation And while I'm outside on the phone in the super The locals laughing at me cause I can't catch an Uber So I walk up 9G trying to sober up Get some air with the city behind me Looking at the stars in the sky Man, look at the glow Hey city, get out the fucking Down in the valley moved up it's a new way of living and I'm trying to get used to it One park poodles have an ounce of an idiot Ordered a Manhattan and they call me a city yeah. At first I heard my feelings but it's kinda got her into it When you move to the country they can tell when you're new to it I'm looking at a place but I'm trying to keep fitting in It takes too long to be a local so for now it's the next morning, rooster crows, I'm yawning I love the farmer's market, but I'm terrible at farming I got a tote bag full of goat milk cheese Handmade soap and a jar of kimchi A local bed alone and some hot chai tea With some local harvest honey, cause the homie keeps bees Jesse told me he's about to toss these greens From the stand that he works at you want Yes, please, upstate and chill, we laid up With micro brews in our cup Weekenders came and stayed up Cause the traffic to the city on a Sunday really sucks And I'm trying to convince them that this is better living Took some time to pay my dues But now I'm starting to fit in I can show you around It can change your life Hey bro, I'm only trying to stay tonight So I told Make a ride at the traffic light There's only one of them in this town A quiet night for a social light When the only bar shut it down Have an ounce of an idiot Ordered a Manhattan and they call me a city yeah. At first I heard my feelings but it's kinda got her into it When you move to the country they can tell when you're new to it I'm looking at a place but I'm trying to keep fitting in It takes too long to be a local so for now I'm a city yet I'm Matt Zucker, and this is Cityit. Welcome to Season 5. If I've learned anything in marketing after 30 years, is you have to keep moving, and the ceiling keeps going higher. We're going to take it up a level this season, and starting with turning up the volume and releasing a song, the Cityit anthem is out. Created with El Sueco and the Don at Space Studios here in Red Hook, I couldn't be more excited. I also can't get the tune out of my head. I have a bunch of lyrics that are my favorite. The bit about ordering a Manhattan and they called me a Cityit. At first it kind of hurt, but now I'm getting used to it. We put in a bunch of local references too. 
You can get the anthem yourself on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Unlimited, and more. Find links at Cydia.com. Just click on Music in the navigation. You can also see some of the early and generous praise it's gotten, including from Alan Katz of The Mountains, Mary Stuart Masterson, and Jeremy Davidson, a funny quote from Mark Mendelis, and already a great feature in the Albany Times Union. There's so much to this song, and also to the Hudson Valley as a creative place to be an artist, whether it's a writer, a podcaster, a producer, or a musician. Come hear the backstory with my co-creators, co-producers, the talented team of Ben Centerfit and Paul Rivers-Bailey, who produce and create as El Suaco and the Don at Space Studios here in Red Hook. Hey, guys. Hey, what's up, hey, man? what's going on? Thanks for coming on City It. Oh, we're excited. I'm super excited. I yeah, love man, it. This is awesome. Cool. I think, you know, we should talk first about the two of you. Ben, you and I, we share like a circle of friends and stuff. So I know you a little bit, but I really don't know the backstory for each of you. And Paul, I just met you. So about how you got here to the Hudson Valley. So Ben, if you want to start, how'd you get here? I'm originally, I'm a like Swedish kid from Colorado. My mother's Swedish and my dad's an expat from Florida. I grew up in Colorado and I met a beautiful Cuban woman who had moved to Colorado from New York and had decided to get the hell out of New York. And we, we met and, uh, you know, a, a great relationship, bought a house. We had a kid, we had a second kid. And then she was like, let's move back to New York. And I was like, <laughs> no, <laughs> but then she said, let's move back to New York. I got a job. And I said, okay. So I moved to the Hudson Valley, not the way most people uh, that we meet in the Hudson Valley who are transplants, right? They move from the city up. A lot of people have that story of moving from the city to the country. I moved from a city to the country, but I moved from Denver to the Hudson Valley. So I didn't know a single person. I had a one-year-old and a three-year-old. I was ostensibly a stay-at-home dad. I was playing gigs in the city with musician friends that I knew from back in Colorado. And I moved up to this little, you know, one stoplight town. And I guess the, the rest of it is history. Was it a culture shock? I mean, was it very different? Yeah, definitely. I think for me, it was more like the culture shock of people from the West and people from the East. It wasn't like city to country. I wasn't used to grumpy New Yorkers. That, that what was, were you? That was, what are Coloradans like? Do you just all ski and eat rocks? Yeah, I mean, really what is nice, really friendly to each other, kind of superficial. You know, the way that people, the way the New Yorkers think about Californians is kind of the way Coloradans are. They're really friendly and they're nice and they're really good to each other. But at the same time, there's a something I learned when I moved to New York was like, wow, there's a depth here, right? There's, a, there's a lot more Tex-Mex and a lot more skiing. That's what happens. A lot more Tex-Mex. <laughs> and a lot less history. A lot. <laughs> and Paul, what, what about you? I think you're more of an East Coast person, right? Well, kind of, sort of. This is the gotta see about a girl portion of the show. I love that movie, Good Will Hunting. And there's that scene where he's talking to uh, Matt Damon and Matt Damon is pissed off because he missed the game six of the World Series. And he said, I had to go see about a girl. Well, that's that's my story. I was out in New Mexico. I moved back to New York City because, you know, not a lot of arts happening in New Mexico. I grew up in New York City and I was out there for college and and I was working in the film industry and I was like, man, got to get back to the city or L.A. And I decided the city. 
I was living out there and I was doing my thing, playing gigs and, and doing that whole thing. And then I met through a friend, this lady who lived upstate New York and she lived in Albany. And I was like, we got to get together and like hang out. We started talking, chatting online, talking on the phone. And so we had mutual friends and we we're like, well, let's get together. And I just got on a bus and saw upstate New York for the first time ever. Cause like New York <laughs> city, right. We don't believe that another part of the state exists. <laughs> So that's what happened. So I was like, man, this is pretty cool. I'm on the bus and I'm looking around and I'm like, man, there's a whole state here. And one thing led to another. And we were making a decision as our, our, you know, my wife and I's relationship got more serious. Well, are you coming down to New York City or am I coming up to Albany? And she was like, I'm not coming to New York City. And I was like, all right, well, then I guess I'm coming to Albany. She grew up in Kingston. So after some time in Albany, we decided to get closer to family and friends and I had already met Ben at that point and had a group of friends down here and we were making music. And it was, it was one of those things that seemed like a natural progression of, of being a little less up North and getting closer. So I, I'm not totally- I love that you both followed women here. I, I did not, as you can imagine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, that is it. That is it. That was, that was, the, that's what got us here. So what, what, so how, how did you meet and how did you start making music together? So the, that was where the New Mexico and Colorado connection kind of comes in, right? Like, so my, my kid was, was looking for a place to, to take music lessons because there was a really great spot out in uh, New Mexico that was like an arts nonprofit that, uh, you know, had stuff for kids to come after school and make beats and rap and like uh, skateboard. It was called Warehouse 508. 508. Yeah. yeah. And, and a good friend of ours, I reached back out to her and I was like, hey, I can't find anything up here that has like music in Albany. I'm looking everywhere and it's all like, you know, music lessons, but not like bands and communal. And this is she said, oh, you got to talk to my friend, Ben. He has a place. I don't know how far it is away from you. And it was an hour away at the time. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to drive down. And then we met through my kid joining one of the bands at, at the community music space. So, And the, the way that it really came about was kind of synchronous in that I had a, a group of my musician friends from Colorado. And the first time that we had gotten together in a long time, we had made a little bit of money off of some of our publishing. So we said, all right, let's fly everybody out. We'll do a session at the studio and get a chance to get everybody together. We'll just take seven days and we'll just cut a bunch of music just for the sake of cutting music. And we had a publishing company. We thought, well, this will be great because we have a, a chance we can put together some ideas. So at the end of seven days, we had a recording. We had like, I don't know, 15 tunes that we had cut that had chord changes and melodies and structures and drums and bass and everything was clicked out. And my friend Kyle had come out who's a music producer. And, and so we had this whole thing, but we didn't have any lyrics or any sort of melodies to it. It was all just rhythm parts. And it was all like really 70s, 60s and 70s vibe. And so I meet Paul, he comes down and I was like, he's like, yeah, I'm a songwriter. I'm, and I, I think at some point I played you a piece of, of music and you're like, this is great. I want to write over it. And so then he started writing lyrics. And so you came down for one day at the studio and laid down vocals and lyrics over three tracks. And my jaw was like, just dropping. I was like, whoa, this guy's got skills. So we, we, we got into the studio and that was kind of how we started. I think the best part about that is that everybody went home 
And Ben calling me after everybody went home. And I was sitting alone in Albany, like, man, I need to make music with people. That one day was cool, but I need to make music. And Ben was sitting in the studio by himself. He called me and he goes, hey, man, I'm sitting in the studio by myself with all these beats that you heard. Just come down. Let's make a record. I was like, <laughs> all right, let's make a record. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. So we did. That's what we did. Well, we said we got together every Friday for four to six hours because Paul had time off and the, the day we would just get together and do that. And then what I think four years later, the, the, the Paul Rivers EP came out and that's, that's, and then we've, we've since released, I think we've got eight tunes up now on Spotify on, under your handle. So there's a love electric that was all produced by Ben and a lot of the guys playing that during that session. And most, all the music came out of that space, except for one song, which was a song I wrote with Elliot Wolf, who since passed away, that wrote Straight Up Now Tell Me and uh, Co-Hearted for Paul Abdul and a lot of other pop songs. I brought that record and Ben like reproduced it and basically like scripted all the way down except for the melody and the lyrics I had and rebuilt it back up. And then we put out an album, Love Electric. And then since then we just started putting together singles. Uh, there's a single in there, it's all under Paul Rivers Bailey, my name, but Ben did all the production and the mixing and the mastering. And then we were like, man, and, and he started producing. He's been producing for a while under the handle El Sueco. And I was rapping in a rap group. Oh yeah, I was gonna wonder, what's the story there? El Sueco yeah. and Don. I was rapping in a rap group called Duality and it, and, and so I went by Don P, which is, stands for the descendant of uh, Nubian poets as an acronym, or also Don Paul. And Ben's El Sueco, it means the Swede in Spanish, right? And he's Swedish. After we had been long into making music and producing things and forming our business, he's making these beats and he's like, hey, I got this handle El Sueco. I'm just going to start making shit. And I was like, we should do so. Then he called, this is, this is really gets the city it. I'm just, I'm calling one morning. Hey, what are you up to, man? We're like talking about business stuff. You're like, man, I'm just out here living a massive suburban nightmare, you know, cleaning out my pool. And I was all like, that's a record. And he goes, yes. And we, and he said, I've been thinking about this. We should call ourselves El Sueco and the Don. And he was like, I fucking love it. And then we've been working on massive suburban nightmare ever since. And then of course you approached us about city, which fell right in line with that. So that's great. That's great. And El Sueco really came from a band called the, the Boogaloo Communicators. It was like a 60s organ quartet. Shout out to Daddy Snug, my man, J Jared Aston. So he was Daddy Snugs. My friend Javier Gonzalez, he, who's heavy G. And somehow they called me, started calling me El Sueco because I'm married to a Cuban and become in, involved in that community. But I'm really a Swede. So El Sueco just means the Swede in Spanish. I have a question about creativity and being a creative person up here. How do you feel about being a musician and a creative person in a place like the Hudson Valley versus versus the city, New York or Albany, or I'm sure there's a city in Colorado? <laughs> there is. Uh, I lived in Denver, which is a city of 2 million people. And I think I knew probably 70% of the musicians that lived in Denver, oh. right? So when I moved up to the Hudson Valley, I thought, well, there's not going to be any musicians up here. And then I started meeting people and I met Pee Wee Ellis, who's the tenor player for James Brown's orchestra band. And my friend Chris Wood lived up here. So I met him and John Modeski. And then through them, I went to the Harmony one day and freaking what's his doctor No from Bad Brains is like sitting at the bar. I'm like, wow, the Hudson Valley's got some people. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of people, but there's a lot of creative people that have moved up here. 
And so my experience has been that even though we're living in a very small community, lots of little small communities, the, there's a high incident of musicians and painters and writers and poets. So I met a lot more people. I met a lot of authors. I didn't know any authors living in Denver. I met people of all different applications here. And I think that that's what's really been special is like, like that there's just people who do everything. Matt, you know this of other people that we hang out that we all know together. There's just people that do incredible things. So I really like the funkiness and the uniqueness of smaller towns that still have artists that have connection to it. And they're like, we're a stone's throw away from New York City. You can be there in no time. You can be an artist anywhere, but I, I really feel like open space has always served me better as an artist than, than, than the city. So my brother-in-law suggested I ask a signature question of every guest, and that is, where is your favorite place in the Hudson Valley? Maybe there's a place specific to music or art that you might want to point us to. I mean, this is not a shameless plug. Right before the pandemic, space studios and community music space, there's so many artistic people coming in and out of there. It's one of the places where I first was introduced to the band, but I think all the artists connected to, including the young artists, I'm really passionate about process and artistic process before like thinking about output. It's such a cool intergenerational conversation that's happening with music, just reconnecting and going back to the studio makes me feel really, really inspired. And your studio is in a funky place too. It's in the old chocolate factory in Red Hook. So it's in, it's like a warehouse type feel. Mm -hmm. So it does feel kind of cool. Yeah. There's the, the step dancing school downstairs and there's the soap woman who moved up from Brooklyn and there's artists and there's the, the chicken hawk racing, which makes like heating elements for tires it's just is that the name of it chicken hog racing yeah chicken oh, hog yeah. racing and that dude who runs chicken hog racing is like an eight-time world champion motorcycle rider eight time he's a, a legend in the world that he works in if i had to pick a hudson valley place i would say the the ashokan reservoir i really love that spot and i really love walking up there and like looking out at the water and thinking this is some beautiful water and all of it's going to New York city for <laughs> our water. It's just a beautiful scene, like to walk up there or bike up there. Or... And if you miss seeing New York city cops, right. <laughs> That's true. You can go to the Shokin reservoir and you can see the New York city police force in effect, making sure that nobody pees in the water. Right. <laughs> I don't miss those guys, but I do that. <laughs> but they're there. They're there. They're there. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give, I got to give a couple shouts out. One of them is our friend Francesco Butoni, who runs Giobata. He used to run Mercado in, in Red Hook. And if you hang out enough driving around, you'll see him driving around the Hudson Valley. So he you just always- I, I know, he's tried to him. run me over several times. Oh, he, he will try to run you over <laughs> if he sees you, yeah. And so I, I go to Adam's and he'll just be there with a sack of chicken livers and gizzards that he's going to make stock with, which is another amazing spot in Hudson Valley. But he just walks into the, into the meat shop and orders people around. One day I was there in line with him and I was like, oh, I forgot to get ice. He's like, don't worry about it. He just grabs ice out of the thing after we paid for it and walks out. And I was like, dude, we got to pay for that. He's like, don't worry, I'll, I'll, I'll pay for it. And then he went back the next day and, hey, my, we got some ice and they gave them some money. That, that's the sort of thing that exists around here that's really cool is that kind of camaraderie and, and relationships. You make deep relationships with people that you can trust that they're going to be there and that you're, for you and you'll be there for them. So let's talk about the song. I mean, 
it won't surprise you. This is the first song I've ever created. Yeah. <laughs> but what an innovative idea, though, man. Like, you know how many people have been like, you created a song for a podcast? Not like a theme. It's like, no, this is an actual song that's being released. Not like yeah, but my husband thinks I'm crazy. He's like, you're going to do what? I'm like, yeah, I want to do this. <laughs> it's, no, I think it's such a smart idea. It, it, yeah. it, it, it was after we got done with the song and people going, wait, you wrote a song for a podcast? Like, yeah, like a jingle? No, not really a jingle. Like not a, a jingle. Everyone it's thinks a it's song. a jingle. It's a real song. And, and they're like, and what are you going to do with it? I'm like, well, we're going to release it. <laughs> it's, it's remarkable. It's really a cross-marketing yeah. genius moment that you had. When you came to me, I'm, I'm always like, of course, like, yes, let's write a yeah, song. You said like, yes pretty quickly. Look, like, like a kindergartner can come to me and say, let's write a song. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So I'm down. But yeah. this was this was a really special idea. Maybe Ben, you could talk about the process because you really had to walk me through how we were going to create it and what it was going to be like. And we mostly followed it. So maybe you could describe how did we make this song? You and I met and we had a conversation about this. And I said, all right, well, let's do a brainstorming session. I knew with Paul, because Paul and I, you know, are inter just intertwined musically. And then our friend, Zach Walker Khan, who was a teacher here at the studio, who's also like super awesome and has great. an uncanny ability to write lyrics, just unbelievable lyrical skill, especially for somebody who's 26 years old. And he's a lot more mature than I am. And I'm 50. So we did a brainstorming session in which you talked about all the things that were essential to your podcast and what you were thinking about. And, and we decided right then, I think that we needed to be really true to the story that we're telling and the podcast that you're creating. So it needed to connect in with your message and what, where you were going with it. And at the same time, it needed to be a song and it needed to be, have a hook. And so that first night I thought, well, we'll, we'll just get, we'll just brainstorm. And by the end of that first night, we actually had a chord progression. We had the hook actually, mm -hmm. right? That really surprised me. I thought we were just sitting around talking about narrative and words. And then all of a sudden, halfway through, the two of you get up and Zach and you go over to the instruments and you start playing. And I'm like, what's happening? I thought this was, I thought this was yeah. next week. Yeah, and, exactly you know, and you know, and you, but you, you found the hook or whatever. And I, I just was so shocked that was gonna, I didn't know that was gonna happen. I thought that was next week. Yeah. That's the process, man. All of us have made music together, been in an artistic process together, like Zach and his part partner, Miles, and they have a band, Zach and Miles, where they're playing uh, playing music, and we help them with that. But I think the process is about every day you show up and you do some stuff, or you figure out how to work on something, and then when something like this happens, it's like repetition. It comes out of, oh, wait, now we're like in sync, because like, I know where you're going, you know where I'm going, and we kind of like go there. And how would you describe the music? Because I didn't know what this would be. You talked about some kind of crossover, some kind of mix of multiple kinds of music which I always thought was conceptually very appropriate for this city to the country type of thing. So I always liked that idea, but it did turn out different than I expected. So how would you describe what it is musically? I, th I think you got to start with process, right? What was the process we used to get to where we were, we were going? So if we had gotten in and written a song and then brought a band in and sat down and rehearsed it, and then gone into the studio and said, we're going to record this thing. It would have been a totally different thing than the way that we went about it. I think one of the first questions we asked was, is this a song like a Carol King song where there's a verse and then a chorus and then, and each verse has a different chord progression and builds in different ways, or is it a song cycle? And Paul's like song cycle, like chord cycle. It's like four chords, 
four chords that repeat. And so as soon as we did that, and then we clicked into the grid, we knew, all right, now that we're connected to the grid and we're connected to this chord, it's a pop song in that way. Like that's the way pop songs go. And then knowing that Paul was in it and I'm a singer and Paul's a singer, but Paul's also a rapper. So we know that, that, that Paul's going to tell a story and he's going to rap it. Zach sat down and started playing that thing on the, the whirly. He started playing ding, 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 ding. And he starts playing it. And then Ben's, oh, wait, okay, I like that. Stay there. And then he starts coming up with the drum beats. So it just, I think it came from all of our influences, but it was like exactly what we were shooting for, this cross-section of different kind of backgrounds and personalities and musical inspirations meeting up in the middle, you know? And what, what instruments did we use? Let's see. So, well, it started with that, that old little, you know, 1970s Wurlitzer, like 200A, right? Keyboard, which is, what's the sound of freaking Queen? You know, you make me feel like, it's right. like, it's like it is that sound. Or what did I say by Ray Charles? Like, it's, it is such a, a legendary sound. So we started with that and then we start and then beats. Mm -hmm. That's really where we got on that first day. And then after that, I think it's electric guitar, bass, a lot of vocals, even the chorus, I think has like is eight or nine layers. There's three Pauls, three me's. There's ad libs for people that are like us making voices for other people. There's all kinds of vocals. <laughs> yeah. And even our friend, Jesse, who works at Midwest yeah. Stands, Paul raps about it. What's, what's the line, Paul? It's like, uh, it goes, uh, Jesse told me he's about to dump these greens from the stand that he works at. And then we actually had him come in and say, do you want them? You know, like, and that's what's so great about writing like this is these stories are very close to real stories. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I love how funny it is, how real it is. For me as a writer, I was the most comfortable with the lyrics. I didn't know you guys would be as funny as you are. So that was great. But I, I at least I knew that was a thing I could almost control. The music was so beyond me and so uncomfortable for me and so exciting because it was so unknown. I didn't know what was going to happen next. Well, one so maybe line that pick it up in the song that you kicked off that made me start thinking in that direction was, I miss my super. This is, that's good stuff. It didn't make it into the song, but it was like, actually, that can happen where like something inspires you to be like, oh, wow, that's a train of thought. Let me follow that train of thought. And that got me to pack up my 900 square foot apartment, which is, right. as many people have said, that's a pretty nice size apartment in New York City. But the right. point is. <laughs> ben, do you have a favorite lyric? My favorite lyric that I sang actually was, man, I'm only trying to stay tonight, which is like, I'm like speaking from the perspective of the weekenders that came up because the traffic to the city on a Sunday really sucks. I love that line. Yes. And then when Paul starts shouting out Bread Alone, which is a great local bread company. Yeah, the local references are really fun. What are our local references? Bread Alone. Yeah, Bread Alone. We got Hamilton and Adams. Um, 9G. Yeah, 9G. 9G. You got, you got the B, the uh, local Harvest Honey. Honey. Harvest Honey is, is another lo uh, local company. And the other thing that I think that, that is local that we didn't realize until Ben brought it to my attention was that when we did the Everything Closes Down at 845, and then we go 845, like 840, 845 is the area code for the Hudson oh, Valley. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Like, holy crap. Neither like, we. Yeah, neither do we. That's those things that just show up that you know that something's inspiring. It's You're being inspired and you're just a conduit is when stuff like that happens. <laughs> I'm really hoping that locally, it really takes off as a badge of pride, like mm -hmm. something special, like about your, your town, your region, your place.
I'm also hoping it has some national relevance to other people in similar situations. I shared the song with my buddy, Eric, who co-hosts this great podcast called The Cabin Cast, which is all about having a cabin in Wisconsin and, and stuff. And he really liked it. He thought it was really relevant um, to even even a different dynamic, but it's a similar thing. So I'm really excited to see to see what happens. What what do each of you hope happens after this? I just want ears on it, man. I just hope that people will hear it. I just think it's a, a great song. It's a great process. I love the writing of it. I, I love the story. I hope that it brings energy and momentum to the work that you're doing. I don't have any illusions about where the music industry is and what who who's listening to what these days i know that there's a whole bunch of goop out there but i'm just hoping that people hear it and that that people appreciate the, the message and that there's some universality to it you know longtime musicians you start to realize in any art you start realizing hey expectations can kind of take the joy out of the process so you try to not have too many expectations that being said i really hope that it does it, the intention was to bring people together and to poke fun at ourselves. Hey, let's not take ourselves so seriously. I'm talking about rolling around with a tote bag and the homie giving me like stuff from the farmer's market. And we're singing about bars closing that early in a one traffic light town. I, I hope that it gets people to laugh. I actually hope that we take some of the air out of the balloon and get some people to say, hey, let's just laugh about our life and let's enjoy our existence and let's be good to each other. And yeah, you may have a different political perspective or background, but we can have a moment to just freaking laugh, not take ourselves so seriously and, and keep it pushing. And that that to me is, is an intention I think that we went into it with and I hope that that sees itself through. Me too. So what happens next for El Swaco and the Don? We're going we're gonna to put out City It. We're going to let, let a lot of people know about it. And then we're going to be working on a record called Massive Suburban Nightmare tentatively at this point. But it's going to be- I have more material work. for you. Yes. Awesome. We've got plenty of material. <laughs> We've got a lot of stuff going on. I heard like Guru, uh, Guru, who's Jay-Z's engineer, years ago talk about that hip-hop needs to grow and evolve and art needs to grow and evolve with the ages of the people who are, are making it. And that there isn't like a lot of music that's talking about what we're about to talk about on this record. Things of being in your early 40s and 50s, being a homeowner in the Hudson Valley and going to your job. One concept is homies on the internet about using DIY stuff off YouTube to figure out how to fix your house. It sounds funny, but it is something that's relatable. It's going to be honest. And I think that'll be cool. And I think we're going to keep doing work out of Space Studios to evolve it being a place where people can work on process, work on their art, from the space of education to the space of services that we offer. And we, we also have some products that we're, we'll put out like beat packs and things like that, that'll let people be able to like also use tools, you know? Community music space creates, it really has the education side, especially the brick and mortar education, right? There's people show up, we have a hundred kids and adults that show up every week. So what Space Studios is, is an opportunity for Paul and I just get back into the process of, of providing audio services, video services. Paul is a videographer and, and has worked in video on pre and post-production and screenwriting. So this is an opportunity for us to get back into that, that sort of thing. We're building a podcast room in the studio that we can do cool. specifically for podcasting. And we've got two full studios so we can do editing and release, you know, but the game has changed as far as studios go, right? You, you, people don't just go into big 
million dollar studios to record anymore. Very few people. I mean, look at Billie Eilish is making music in her bedroom. So we're really trying to make the studio like a collaborative spot for professionals, as well as an educational side for kids. Thanks, Ben and Paul. So to be sure to get your copy of the song and tell me and us what you think, you can find it on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Music Unlimited, SoundCloud. Just search for El Suaco in the Dawn, or you can go to cityat.com and click on music, and you'll find the links there. And be sure to spot all the local references. We put in a lot. This season's already so big, but a lot more to come. Plus, I did that listener survey back in January, which gave me a great intel on what people want to hear. I'll share some of that in upcoming episodes and online. Be sure to subscribe to the newsletter at cityat.com. I'm finding Instagram is everyone's favorite channel. So while I'm keeping Twitter current with regional news and Facebook updated a little bit, I'm really focused on cityat.hv on Instagram and the email list for the juiciest stuff. Well, in addition to what you hear here. Thanks for coming back for a new season. I can't wait to share more of the Hudson Valley. The people, the stories, anything and everything that would help you come visit. Down in the valley, moved up from the city. It's a new way of living and I'm trying to get used to it. One park was half an ounce of an idiot. Ordered a Manhattan and they call me a city, yeah. At first I heard my feelings, but it's kind of got a ring to it. They can tell when you're new to win. I'm looking at a place, but I'm trying to keep fitting in. It takes too long to be a local, so for now I'm a city. I'm a city. I'm a city. I'm a city. I'm a city.